All right, let's do this. All, All right. right. Hello, welcome to 150, 150, Pesquicentennial. What is that? The Hawaii Five-O theme oh. song. Da, 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 da. I thought you were going to do da, Molly Hatchet, da, da, da. Run Molly to the Hatchet. Hills. That sounded like Oh, that's not Molly hills. Hatchet. That's uh, Iron Maiden. It did Run to the Hills. That's right. Run to the Thank Hills. You. Run okay. to the Hills. <laughs> this is the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Ambassadors podcast for the week of May... Oh my gosh, what week is it? 21, right? Sure. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. May 21, 2012. And this is the magical episode 150. I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We're the healthcare marketing firm that has put on this podcast for <clears throat> near on six years. Wow. With me is We're old. Wow comes from <laughs> Jackie Ritaco, account coordinator with Interval. And Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. You know, you would think if we were actually good about doing it weekly for six years that we would have a hell of a lot more. Than right. Does that deserve some explanation? Episode. Probably. Our first podcast was September 6, 2006. And then there was yep. like a seven-year hiatus. Well, we started <laughs> off with a different format. We started off with a format that was uh, planned. It was, I think, like almost an hour of content. It was all around one topic. It was very in-depth. It was almost like a webinar without visuals. Okay. Uh, and we managed to pull that off about three times in the course of two years. Was it a snoozer? <laughs> uh, no, it was informative. Oh. We had like Chris Causey, one of our guests, I think we've had on this version. Uh, but then it was Adam's idea to go to this format oh. uh, because I think he grew frustrated with the gaps mm-hmm. and the deep thoughts that the <laughs> former podcast were. And you had listened, you listened to a lot of podcasts and used this kind of yeah, format. I still do. That's, yeah. I listen to. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Now we're doing it right. So since, yeah, Possibly. so the first one in this format, so when we're counting, I believe number one, I could be wrong about that, but number one, I believe, is January 25, 2009. So we've been doing mm. it from this format for roughly three years, which makes sense with the 150, right? right? Yeah. 52 weeks a year. We, we have a little break here and there. Two or three weeks a year, because we do have lives. Started with you two, <laughs> and then the most important member of the podcast joined. That's me. right. That's right. You didn't come along till episode whatever. I had to buy my way in, people. You did. You did. Mm-hmm. You had to. You really had to earn your way on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were listening to the first one. Sounded the same. It was just me and Adam. Yeah. Well, actually, we had to upgrade. We had to upgrade our podcasting gear to get another to effectively get another microphone in. We were kind of hacking it the first uh, several shows where we had more than two people on. Oh, you, that's right. People were sharing a microphone, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. that's fun. It was very intimate. You had to lean in, yes. Yeah. Getting spit on. We'd that's get right. like we would we would literally get two of those two person snuggies and they could get nice and close. And, <laughs> or huggies. Those? What are they called? Snuggies. That was snuggie, right? Yeah. Huggies snuggie. are diapers. Oh, a snuggie is that like terrible felt, looking blanket. Yeah. yeah. Coat. Contraption. Contraption. Yeah. Device. Those are hot they items. keep you warm though. They are. You can get them at Walgreens, I think. Mm-hmm. I've seen on TV. I like the kind without <laughs> sleeves and holes. They call it a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are we going to talk about today? Uh, we're recording this, as always, a few days before the post date. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yesterday actually was the mission conference, spring conference. It was. Uh, so first of all, well, mission, we should probably explain that. Minnesota Health Strategy and Communications Network, mm-hmm. correct, which is the state-level um, association 
of Shushmid. Bless you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. We don't have the Mapur. We're not the Ishmapur, no. Wishmapur, or Chipmermis. No, we're we a, have mission. a mission. Because we're on a mission. But uh, good, great conference, I thought. I mean, mm-hmm. first of all, fantastic venue. It was at Beautiful. the uh, Super cool, yeah. University of Minnesota's relatively new football stadium, a couple years old, mm-hmm. TCF I, Bank. I had never been there. That was. I yeah, was very You're on impressed. One of the top floors, yeah. So yeah, club level, about six stories up. Beautiful view, beautiful amenities. Mm-hmm, perfect day. place to have a, a conference. I didn't realize that. I mean, I've been not a sports fan, so that's probably why. But I don't realize that college teams had. And I'm guessing that that's not even the nicest stadium out there. It's got to be one of the one of the nicer ones, considering how new it is. Yeah, it's fairly pretty, pretty modern. Nice. Yeah. But I was yeah. like, at first, like a little shocked that a college had something as nice as what we think tuition goes up 10 percent a year yeah a lot of money that goes into that stadium for sure yeah so it pays for itself football pays for itself i'm sure the kids in drawing 101 are (laughs) thrilled that's right that's right so so that was good uh i spoke with ben Dillon, who's an old friend uh from geonetric uh i believe his title is something like Vice President of Evangelism or something like that. He's got Evangelist. Health Evangelist. Right. Is it E, little E, capital V? Something like that. He's a co-founder, so he's the top dude there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I met Ben years ago, like seven years ago, at a Shushman dine-around thing. We happened to just be at the same end of the table. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't know him from... Whoever else is out there. So, lesson learned. Never skip skip out on the roundtable networking events where you're supposed to go talk to people. Very good guy. Very mm-hmm. good guy, and he's from um, my home state of Iowa, which is which makes him even better. Those people, what's that? <laughs> which makes him even better. In which your makes eyes. Him even better. Yeah. So we spoke on wellness um, and leveraging health and wellness uh, for hospitals and health systems in the digital world. Uh, the, I missed the morning. There was a there was a presentation on accountable care. Right. There was a, a presentation on direct marketing. Uh, then there was a presentation on using digital uh, media to support a social marketing effort by Clearway, right. which is an entity in Minnesota set up solely to combat tobacco use. Mm-hmm. And they had a campaign that basically tried to find people, or it was an award. Each year they give a $5,000 award to whoever right. quits smoking for a, a month <clears throat> in some certain way or whatever and they have all this social media component to it and mm-hmm. it was very good good campaign yeah. yeah yeah so i thought it was good any takeaways mi- for you guys that were you missed one what was the one that i missed that by his name was kevin oh what kevin is- strandberg how can i miss yeah. kevin a lot of people know kevin kevin is from um i think it's is it memorial ashland it's in ashland which is where my uh girlfriend tanya's from which is so ironic because it's such a small town out of mm-hmm. the out of the way but kevin is he's the director of marketing there at that hospital but he also does consulting work for the baird group which is a really strong consulting group around patient experience so that's what he was talking about and he had he was great i that's caught I like two-thirds of his presentation yeah. and very, I'd never very heard dynamic very yeah. like it gets the crowd involved and funny keeps people interested yeah. yeah and that's tough stuff I and mean, they're talking about really getting in and changing employee behavior which is mm-hmm we think we've got it hard. That is, that is a serious grind. <clears throat> right. I just, I could not dedicate my life to doing that. And not that it's totally honorable and important yeah. and yeah. all of that. It just is a lot of, a lot, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And it's not like 
our world is filled with new ideas and new directions and different, you know, different thinking. And that's really about just getting in there and doing hard discipline work and right. discipline is not my middle name. Yeah. Although I think I, the thinking definitely su- is supports. Um, and the message that he was, the message he was sharing is definitely goes hand in hand with, with, with the way we think in our, in the message. Absolutely. We put out there. Yep. And we've talked about patient experience for years. I mean, I think it was like 2004 when we did our uh, study of the patient experience, the first impression that you would have of the patient experience at the top 11 heart centers in the Twin Cities. Went in unannounced and did an audit and then published the, re- the results in an anonymous fashion. Uh, and it was stunning. It's just stunning. Just on a first impression. So walk in the door, ask for mm-hmm. help, um, call a phone number, go to the website. Uh, the disconnects and the and the problems that you encounter it's astounding it's astounding so he really reinforced all of that I'm gonna he hang, really I'm wants to talk to us you're gonna go get should it should i just oh hello hello just there's nothing yeah. worse than the phone that rings like a hundred times well i know get the picture that we're not going to answer the phone <laughs> <laughs> Some people are adamant. I love how half of our phones are disconnected too. So yeah, to we don't we don't hardly use our office phones anymore. We're so mobile. Yeah, we're so cool and we are so cool, cool and hip. Mobile. So anything else from the conference that you guys? No, I mean just a lot of great people. Happy hour yeah. was good after. There was a good turnout. Yeah, it was a great turnout. You guys had probably over a hundred people, right? Close. Uh, I don't know. I meant to ask, but it sounded eighty it to hundred. Like I would yeah. think that's good. Okay, so on to the next topic. Uh, we, love, we love to talk about these uh, stories, and I use them when I speak uh, about some of the changes and the, transforma- or the transformation we face in marketing. Uh, and one of the reasons why we need to start thinking differently is because of the scrutiny we're under, not just from our leaders or physicians internally, whoever it may be, asking what the hell are you doing with this money, but from the outside world who continues to probe the healthcare system at large, mm-hmm. looking at it going, this is an inefficient system. How could it be better? And they look at something as um, obvious to them as advertising or marketing for hospitals, which, as we all know, most people on the outside don't understand why that's necessary or what it's for. Uh, and so occasionally you get a mainstream media source that, that does an expose and so I like to call these <laughs> these um, these talkers this just in because that's what I think of. It's like they've they've Breaking discovered news. you know the holy grail or they've uncovered you know they found Hoffa's grave or whatever it is you know. They've, who was the who? What did Geraldo want to unlock Al Capone's vault? Remember that? <laughs> that's probably before you guys were born. He had this big reality show where they found Al Capone's vault and he he was in there and he was going to open it. I think it was Al Capone thinking that he would find like all the stuff and there was like jack you know what in it a dusty hat so this is from smart money and this came out a while ago and i've been referencing it for um a couple months but i thought we could share it and it's called the surprising i'm gonna read it like it sounds the surprising secret behind doctor referrals (laughs) i'm gonna i'll try to set this up as quickly as possible it's early tuesday morning and ashley mckenzie is behind the wheel of her toyota sequoia iphone in hand okay so first of all Note that they're trying to set her up in a certain way. Right. Oh, totally. Like Toyota Sequoia. That's the giant SUV. Squinting as she navigates the rural back roads of southwestern Alabama, the petite, energetic blonde has a full day of doctor visits ahead, and the first one, she says, is kind of out in the boonies. 
When she finally locates the modest one-story building, Mackenzie catches a lucky break. The waiting room is almost empty. So after greeting the front desk staff with a cheery, hey, y'all, and inquiring whether the doctor a few minutes, she's ushered straight to the sunny private office. And that kind of goes on to explain um, her encounter with the doctor uh, and that the doctor is uh, part of a group that's really competing for patients with some, comp- with some competing groups. And it says, all good news for Mackenzie, because even though she is nursing a lingering cold, that's not what brings a 32-year-old University of Alabama grad stylishly turned out in a black dress and triple strand of pearls. This is a real magazine. <laughs> to the small town of Bay Minette, she's making the trek as a principal advisor's MD, one of a small but growing number of healthcare consultancies around the country that promise to help specialist physicians reel in more referrals by marketing their services to fellow doctors. They paint her to be a prostitute. Or dun, dun, dun. Like, yeah, <laughs> they do. Her. They paint her to be basically like this charlatan. Right. Hustling her wares. Um, and oh my gosh, did you know this is going on? So later it says, most patients assume that if they've got an ailment their family doctor can't fix, they'll be referred to a specialist who's, well, special for reasons they'd expect. They're board certified, are skilled in the latest <clears throat> techniques, and boast an impressive track record of healing. Most also presume that their own doctor has pretty thoroughly vetted the ologist, quote-unquote, professionally, if not personally. After all, their health and well-being are at stake. So it may come as a surprise that the Natalie-dressed guy or gal sitting two chairs down in the waiting room, the one who has brought that jumbo tin of caramel popcorn for the front desk staff, may play a role in determining the next surgeon they see. So this is all about what hospitals and health systems do to woo referring physicians. Yeah. It's a big story. If I print it out, it'd be 15 pages. Seriously? Yes. And we're all sitting here going, yeah, we know. <laughs> yes, that's the point. While no one can fault a doctor for trying to drum up business in tough times, critics say that medicine and marketing can make for strange bedfellows. To be sure, accepting payment for a referral is illegal. And patient advocates say that no doctor will intentionally make a bad referral, which I strongly agree with. Mm-hmm. Physicians who accept marketing pitches insist they're not unduly influenced, which is laughable but even proponents of the process say it's easy to see how carefully crafted messaging the better looking brochure the fast talking liaison could subtly sway doctors well and then and then the final quote before you weigh in there is this isn't supposed to be something where referrals are facilitated by slickness says lawrence nelson a bioethicist at california santa clara university that's kind of shallow what? So this all sounds like pharma, too, it's by the way. It's not slick. I mean, it's not necessarily... I mean, you can look at it and say it's slickness, but it's like, it's like anything. It's like when, you, when somebody's in front of you who, you know, is... Maybe you determine immediately they're not likable, so you kind of write them off and, like, nothing they say. But most people probably don't really fit into that bill. So, I mean, like you say, you see a documentary by somebody who's influential, and maybe it was something you didn't know about. Now, all of a sudden... You know, you believe what they're saying, you, you, you get behind it because they shed a light on something or they made a connection with you that meant something. And now you, maybe you learn something new, mm-hmm. whether it was learning about a topic or learning about somebody who does something that could be beneficial to you as in the case of like a referring physician relationship. Um, <clears throat> and this even extends to like lobbyists. I mean, that's what they, that's what they do. They're paid yeah. to go somewhere and influence a politician. a politician. It may not even be in something that they themselves believe in, but that's what they do now. I think, I mean, the, that whole practice itself is extraordinarily sh- shady and slimy, but at its root, it's also, 
acceptable. I mean, it's it's somebody. It's politicians clearly don't have the time to to learn right. to dive deep into every single mm-hmm. topic about every decision they have to make. So they need people to, to to shed light on things for them, right? So that's where these lobbyists come in. Unfortunately, sometimes the, you know that light is very. You know, it's angled in a very particular Certainly. direction. But there should be another lobbyist right behind <laughs> right. them. Who's going to angle other... the other light or, you know, you're going to combine right. these lights and hopefully right. give this guy you know, a different view. So it's you can't there's not there's absolutely nothing wrong with right. a person going to another person and advocating Informing for something, them. you know, whatever it may be, whether it's establishing a physician relationship, whether it's advocating for a cause with a politician. Um, you know, the shady part there is that, you know, those with the money can maybe pay the very effective people who are more influential and do it that, you know, have a lot of experience. So there's a lot of levels to that, obviously, but there's nothing right. necessary. There's nothing wrong with it as a whole, as the concept on of right. on principle. So, and then that extends into this space too. So, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, clearly they have some sort of an agenda or a pre a bias that they're, you know, they want to, they want to shine a particular mm-hmm. light on because this. Because they're the media. Right. And they need this to sound sensational right which is why i pointed out how they they talked about the salesperson right you know she's she's obviously well off she's probably attractive she's wearing pearl natalie dressed whatever they said yeah and so the point is to point to portray her as a slick right salesman and that you know honestly she probably is if she's good i mean there actually have been laws now put into place restricting what pharmaceutical reps can do Right, because it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. and the, and the joke is, you know, the, the younger, hotter the pharmaceutical rep, the more she successful is going to be, because that's like the stereotype. Mm-hmm. But but that's where people get concerned that they go in there and they pitch a drug, and the doctor's all of a sudden prescribing the drug. It's the same thing, right? Um, and I understand why people would be concerned by it, but I think Adam's dead right. Mm-hmm. It's there's nothing wrong with it. The physician needs to know what their options are. If right. they are a good physician, they will not be explicitly swayed by one person or another, they'll take in the information and weigh it against what else they know. Yeah, right. or at least not any more than any other human would right. be in in any one-on-one situation. Reminds me yes. that, there, well, there was, there was a movie out, I think it had to do with the tobacco industry lobbyists, but the guy from the Batman movie was in it, the one who kind of lost his face. Which Batman movie? Face, what the hell oh, is that? Oh, yeah, I mean, Aaron Knight. Eckhart, and it was Thank You for Not Smoking. yeah. This all just kind of reminded me of that same type of deal. Yeah. So, you know, again, what's funny about this and the point to our audience is this is you can expect more of this. Right. You can expect more scrutiny. It's not going away. um, Because, you know, we all know that there's stuff that is hard to explain to our friends and family about what we do. This, to me, is completely legitimate. And, you know, if somebody is if somebody is buying a physician, that's illegal and different but if you're going in there trying to say hey you should send patients to our orthopedic center because we're better for this this and this mm-hmm. that's good that's how the system is supposed to work uh but we need to be able to to know how to deal with that and, and be sensitive to it so yeah just another classic example of the sensationalism and it just reminds me i don't know why i'm going off this tangent but <laughs> this is probably <laughs> impolitically correct or politically incorrect have you guys heard of the phrase white people problems I've yeah. used, I oh, use yeah. that yeah. regularly. It, it first yeah, came from Louis C.K., I think. But Charles Barkley actually does it on Saturday Night Live, too. Calls it the same thing. Some people call it first world problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, if you read our local paper over the last week, you could tear out half the stories. Like there's a story now 
in the paper yesterday about a local high school that has a policy that for prom only juniors and seniors can go. And the story is all about a couple of sophomores that didn't know that was the policy and bought a dress and, you know, ready to go. And now their world is destroyed. Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> and the, 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 the worst part of the story is that their parents are involved. Oh, and their parents are like, this isn't fair and we're going to fight them. And you're like, white, white people problem. Right. Which Seriously. Is, whenever I'm about to comp- <laughs> well, <laughs> well, no, I was just going to say, I think when we were talking about the Viking Stadium, that's kind of right. what that's you Right. complete white people problem. Yeah. Yes. Anytime I'm about to start complaining about something that is utterly meaningless, I preface it by saying, all right, this is, I'm about to rant right. on a white people problem. Right. Like, I, like we just finished, our, finished, finished finishing our basement. Well, we're not done yet. And one of the things this is a good example of one of my white people problems. Um, <laughs> I had I had doors with I had glass doors like well not totally glass but the inside of them is glass put in in the basement and they're frosted glass because one of the things I wanted to do is make the rooms feel a little more open and airy so that light from like closets or from other rooms could come through a little bit mm-hmm. so it felt like there was something beyond so you didn't feel trapped so I'm, <laughs> so there's two doors kind of side by side on either side of a, an entryway and I was trying to get the light. Like I want, my concern was that the light coming through the glass on the doors felt balanced, so it didn't feel like one closet that was brighter inside had more light coming out. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm sitting here like talking about this, but I totally prefaced that by saying this: I'm, I'm about to go off on a white person problem here. It's like just completely meaningless, you know. It's like who the hell cares whether the light coming out of these two doors is balanced right. when they're you know they're people who things. can't put shoes on their feet or right. get exactly. health care or it's That's like so true. we'll post a link to this story because it's hilarious and and the reason i bring it up is just because it relates to the smart money article and another article we talked about usa today and from the healthcare marketing <clears throat> that the media is incented to sensationalize because it sells Mm-hmm. And that's why we have to be careful, which is what they did with the woman, the saleswoman, to make her sound like she's a, a whore, basically, going around with her low-cut dress or whatever. I'm just going to read you a couple things, though, because this is how this author is trying to make a new story out of this issue, right? Okay, so there's two things that are hilarious. One is they focus on a couple of the girls, right? So there's the irritating part about the parents. This but is the prom one? This here? is the quote from one of the people who dis- figured out she can't go. I've never worn a long dress before. Nina Lilyhigh said, her voice trembling a bit. Oh, it was exciting. She tried on maybe five dresses at three stores before settling on a BCBJ label dress that cost around 200 I just thought the dress was really beautiful, and I was excited that it fit. So in other words, the point I'm parting out is her voice trembling a bit. Yeah, this yeah. is supposed to be a new story. Are you really? <laughs> and then this is the part we'll leave, and we'll keep going on something else. But this is hilarious. They talk about in the past, a couple sophomores slipped through. Right, And that's the excuse these people are using that, well, we heard that other sophomores got through last year, so we didn't think they were taking the rule seriously. So here's another student. <laughs> there was like a small handful, said Gabe Epstein, who attended as a sophomore with a junior friend. Although chaperones checked his school ID, which shows a student's year, <laughs> no one blinked, he said. It sucks and it's stupid, Epstein said about the rule. <laughs> Best line ever. It, it sucks, sucks and, and it's stupid. stupid. <laughs> anyway, it's good humor to read the story and then read... The comments, because the comments are hilarious, vicious. Yeah, oh. somebody said something just like you said. It's like this is just like there's another story just like this about a local high school cheerleading team that they were changing the names from the Hornets to the Hornets, so that it wasn't like feminine. And it, seriously, outcry from parents and everything was just insane. They couldn't compare to that, and they're like, maybe you could use this space for 
a story on how the Syrian military is killing its own people, <laughs> right? Yeah. But the first people, comment yeah. is first first world problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, too much so, time on their hands. That was a way offshoot of where well, we're you at. Know, you know, it's not. That's not to say that these that these things aren't problems that people deal with on day to day. It's just like it's just we though. need to quit yeah. putting the freaking spotlight on these things. Yes, they're gonna. These situations are gonna make people. Mad and uncomfortable, but who the hell cares? Who cares? The story here is that, it, like somebody points out, that the parents in the in the good old days. So when I was growing up, if I said, "Hey, this isn't fair," my parents would say, "Well, that's the rules. You should have known the rules." They would have backed the school. Mm-hmm. And now you've got these parents that are so kid focused, and I have three kids, so I can speak on this. That they're literally like fighting this in the media. Are you kidding me? Oh, I know. And, and one of the comments is like, this is a moment where you could teach your kids about disappointment, which is going to happen to them in life. Yeah. Instead, you're enabling them that if they don't like something, then it's not their problem. It's right. somebody else's problem. It's just bad. These parents come off really bad. But anyway, whole nother podcast. <laughs> Anywho, yeah. All right. Let's skip to another article. This is from this is actually sent to us by a client. It's from the New York Times. And it came out, I think, two days ago. And it says, ahead of IPO, meaning Facebook's IPO, General Motors to quit advertising on Facebook. So General Motors, uh, just days before Facebook is scheduled to hold its first public stock offering, one of the country's largest marketers decided to remove its advertising from the social network. General Motors decided to discontinue its Facebook advertising worth about $10 million annually wow. after a routine review of how and where it spends its marketing money. Uh, it, the quote is very, you know, innocuous from General Motors about, you know, we make changes all the time, blah, blah, blah. Um, Facebook, you know, reported $3.7 billion in revenue in 2011. So this isn't like going to kill them. Right. It's more of a PR hit right before right. their IPO. Um, so I know, Adam, you've got some thoughts on this. There's just a couple things I want to point out. Well, one in particular a person briefed on the discussions between the companies, Facebook and General Motors, said that General Motors spent a total of about $40 million on Facebook annually, but most of that was spent on managing its own presence and developing applications. So they spent, of $40 million, they spent $10 million on advertising, mm-hmm. $30 million on developing Facebook applications and managing their page. And so there's a quote from an analyst later on that says, if GM is spending $40 million a year and $30 million of that's going toward managing his page, that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> to which I would say, no shit. <laughs> what is costing you $30 million? Yeah. I don't know. To manage your I Facebook what, page. I wonder what they're lumping into there. If they're like lumping, lumping in like... Well, I mean, I mean, even outside of that, they might for the, the, the managing of it, if they're also like factoring in services that they're paying for for like social media monitoring like maybe you know uh, what a radiant six or sure. those types of things i mean sure those aren't cheap some of them are but a lot of them aren't and if they're using multiple I and mean, that that stuff can add up fast not uh, so it just depends on million what fast. no i know i would hope not so i guess it depends on how far they're digging in to get that and they're probably you know maybe they're counting like um you know, I'm sure they got lots of video. They probably got digital campaigns that run through Facebook, right? Uh, and if they're counting all of that, it's still a lot of money, right? But relative to what General Motors spends overall, I mean, they're spending 40 million on Facebook alone. Does it say just what think about what they're spending on TV? Well, yeah. Does it say what their other ad? You know, what they spend on? You know, it doesn't. But I would imagine that that's otherwise. 
Oh, here it is. General Motors spends $3 billion a year on advertising. Oh, that's a drop in the bucket. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> I mean, it really good is. Good Lord, no wonder you're losing money. Yeah, well. $3 billion. Wow. That's worldwide. And maybe I'm yeah. a, an idiot for thinking that's a lot of money. Sorry. Well, it sounds like a lot of money to anyone. <laughs> it's a lot of money. I mean, so what, a lot of money. So what were some of your thoughts on this, Adam? Well, first and foremost, I mean, it's, they are in a pretty, they're, they're, they're a giant in a, in a specific industry. I mean, so nobody should be rushing out and making decisions based on what General Motors is doing unless maybe you're in that exact same industry doing the exact same thing. Which Ford says later in the article that they're happy with Facebook right. and not changing it. Right. So, so, mm-hmm. so right there, don't, like, don't, don't base your marketing decisions on what somebody in some other industry is doing. You got to you try these things out for yourself and do what's right for you. Do what's right, right. that works. Clearly, it wasn't a good mix in their in their. In their mix, it wasn't a good fit into the mix of what they're doing. Um, you know, I think you know whenever we talk about online, <clears throat> we talk about digital advertising with our clients. You know, one of the first one thing that always pops up is the effectiveness of like Facebook versus you know Google Google um, uh, search marketing, and you know which which where if you're going to pump more money into one versus the other, um, yeah, I'd say so far in many cases it's just made more sense to pump a little more into search and it wasn't to Facebook because the results weren't that great. Right. That doesn't mean you don't do it or you don't try it. And if you're doing some interesting things on Facebook, you might see some really good return on your right. investment there. So it, don't, the bottom line is don't make decisions on what you're doing based on stories like this because it's not right for them doesn't mean it's not going to be right for you. I would agree. I, I, I do think, though, that I wouldn't look at this as any kind of harbinger. But I would say I think it's fair to say you know, it could be utterly wrong on this, but I feel like Facebook is maybe at its apex <clears throat> as far as its influence, both in how people use it and its power from an advertising venue. Could be at apex for another five years. Right. But for me, I think we've talked about this a little bit. There's this juxtaposition, this um, negative correlation that the more value they're going to try to get out of it from advertising, um, which they're going to have to once they go public mm-hmm. support with their, their growth goals, the less value the users will see in it yeah. because it'll become more obtrusive, which then drives actually down the value of that advertising, and then they start sloping back down. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to say that couldn't be a MySpace in five to ten years. No, yeah, they, no, it could true. happen even sooner. I mean, MySpace like was gone overnight, damn near. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think what yeah, Pertnier. Uh, <laughs> Facebook is also you know they're also doing interesting things in other spaces like for example authentication um a number of websites rely on facebook for authentication into their own services you like a pinterest or spotify um yeah, many true. other news sites and stuff so i there i think there are revenue opportunities um for facebook outside of just advertising and i'm sure that they are very heavily exploring those because i think they are well aware of you know the the limits of advertising within their platform and how uh, how negative it can be. I mean, if you've, if you've watched the Social Network, the movie with uh, that that highlights how Facebook came to be. I mean, that was that was the push um, from Eduard, Eduardo Zuckerberg's partner, um, who is leaving the country to avoid paying taxes on his billions. He's already left the country. He yeah, lives he's in re- Singapore. Renounced right? his citizenship. Right. That, Honestly, I mean, that's probably a topic <laughs> really? for another show. This. Topic oh. for another show. I don't. I honestly don't have a problem with it because. It, yes, it's a huge amount of money. This is off, a little off topic. Where we're going, huge, huge amount of money that he doesn't have to pay taxes on. But we, every single one of us, does it. Every every single person here, uh, 
no, every one of us, yeah. when what, we do our taxes, taxes, no, he's not evading any taxes. Oh. He's following the law to the T, to exactly. So, but oh, it's, it's almost because of the happen. amount of money, it's, it becomes almost absurd. So are you it's okay like, with what, Al- I mean, this is a whole nother <clears> sub-reference. We just totally want it. But Apple's getting a lot of scrutiny for this too, because they are shuffling billions in profits overseas so that they can avoid taxes. Well, if, if it's based on the... but if the, Which is legal. The, what they're doing is legal. Right, but also... Like Eduardo. The, the real scrutiny came from a New York Times article, which actually was based on... I don't know the details exactly, but... It was they, Washington Times or Post. It was, it was but they were paper. using... They were like using Wall data Street. from one year and trying to correlate it with data from another year, and the figures were like way different, so you couldn't really even draw... There wasn't really parallels that could be drawn on how much they were... Maybe so, I didn't look into I, that. I'm not sure either. But anyway, back to the whole thing. <laughs> back to the advertising. Facebook. I mean, Zuckerberg yes. knows that advertising. I mean, he was, he was the one who was against advertising. Eduardo wanted advertising right off the bat. He was like, we need to figure out how this is going to make money. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has, it's advertising. It has to be advertising. Let's figure out how. And he, so he was off doing his own thing, trying to get advertisers, while Zuckerberg was like, F that. No advertising. That's going to kill this. Everyone will hate Zuckerberg it. Zuckerberg was right. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... At the top right now, I mean, I'm sure that's still the, I mean, I'm sure he sees the value in what advertising has brought to where they are now, but I still think that that's got to be his mindset. He, he knows what could kill this very quickly, and he's really trying to be cautious to not let yeah, that happen. But now so, he's gone public, he's ain't going to have much choice. He's still the primary well, owner, but. Yeah, but, and also, I mean, going public, like what they're doing is a little bit of a joke because they have they basically can control where these shares go right off the bat. It's not like I could go buy yeah, but Facebook once they go, shares people tomorrow. Can sell them. Once they're out well, there, you could, you could, I, mean, I guess, but like I like once they go public, I couldn't go just buy a Facebook shot stock right away. Unless I was friends with somebody right. at Goldman Sachs, because right. there's just no way I would be able to, to buy it. So it's not talk really to me. I'll set public. you up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Frank Goldman is one of my distant <laughs> cousins. Good buddy, and... good buddy. Racquetball buddy. Yes. All right. Well, so messages don't jump off a cliff just because GM did. But I mean, it, like everything else, look how it's working for you, like you said, Adam. Mm-hmm. And if it's working for you, great. If it's not, then don't do it. I mean, yeah. you shouldn't be doing it because everybody else is doing it either. Right. Right. And if you want it to work, good takeaway. Figure out a way. You know, you're doing something wrong. I mean, you know, figure out what you're doing wrong and right. why it's not working. Okay. One more. How are we doing on time? Uh, well, we've got a few minutes. We're, we're at about a little over the half, half hour mark. but We're at the half hour mark? Oh, cut it over. off. We'll cut it off. Um, no, that's <laughs> fine. I want to set this up. I want to give people a homework assignment. We, we won't talk oh. about it now. We'll save it for next episode. There's a show on AMC called The Pitch. I think we mentioned this before. I think we might have, yeah. I think it's on Sunday nights. It's after Mad Men, intentionally after Mad Men, because it's about they pit two ad agencies, real ad agencies, against each other or a real piece of business with a real client. So like the first one was Subway was the client and it was, um, they were competing for uh, an advertising campaign to promote breakfast mm-hmm. at Subway. The one I just watched was Pop Chips, which I'm not familiar with, but Ooh, I guess they're pretty good. Yeah. And so they wanted a digital campaign mm-hmm. to take Pop Chips to the next level. Um, it's a fascinating show. It's like any other reality show where, um, you see a lot of neat things and some insights, but it also makes you crazy, especially when you're in this business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I would like is for you guys to watch it, figure out a way to watch it. I'm not sure if you can get AMC 
on demand or how that works. Or Hulu or something probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you can try to watch, even if it costs you a couple of bucks, and those out in the audience watch it, and then let's come back together and get some opinions because I think there's a lot to be learned from an agency perspective, a client perspective, but also it's just awesome to dish on. It might as well be the real housewives of ad agencies because it's <laughs> the personalities you want to jump through the screen and bludgeon them to death in most cases. So we can have the pitch we'll corner next time. We should try to get that. Maybe we can do Actually, that on our, if we get the Google plus hangout thing going for, that could be a good way to get other people involved sure. if they want to jump in on that conversation. And I had an idea last night that I'm going to give away here, but I think we could do it there. It was so bad that I was just, I mean, I was going off. I was with Tanya watching it just sarcastically ripping on, you know, making fun. I'm like, you know, we should make a satire of this show. And we'll call it the bitch because all they do <laughs> is complain and you know they make this all dramatic, right? Like last night, one of the strategic guys has a gallbladder attack. I'm like, it's not enough just to have the, the competition of the ad agencies. You got to throw in a, a medical emergency to make this dramatic, <laughs> right? That's but, typical. But you could riff on this in a serious way and have a lot of fun with it. I like it because the personalities are so Obscene. over the top, which I'm sure they encourage. But anyway. Watch that, and then let's let's gather back for one fifty one. Yep. So we'll leave it there. We'll give our people a break. Not go on to forty minutes. So for one hundred and fifty in the belt. Nice. Arrogant healthcare marketing bastards. This is Chris Bevelo, Jackie Ritaco, and Adam Meyer. Talk to you at one fifty one. <laughs>